Hi there, Brett McGarry here, back from a week off, and while I very much enjoyed my time off, I did not enjoy the Wasps deciding to come out and play en masse. So we had all kinds of conversations today about the bugs that ruin our days and the potential for allergic reactions, and should there be more EpiPens just out in the world We also spoke to a Winnipegger who now lives in Yellowknife who has had to flee to Red Deer because of the wildfires in the Northwestern Territories. And Bob Irving joined us to talk football as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are now in sole possession of first place in the CFL West. I'm Brett McGarry. Alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, we are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, August 21st podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Coming up after Global News at 7 o'clock, we're going to talk about the speed pilot project, reduced speed zones. Sounds like it's going not too bad, according to Global's Iris Dick, but feel free to weigh in. We're already getting some great feedback at 204-780-6868. If you're... A neighbor, if you live in these neighborhoods, let us know how it's going, and uh, we'll share some of that at 7.05. And then a bit later on this morning, Loren, for those just tuning in, where are we heading at 8.05? Well, we know there's so many people who are out of their homes in several communities across the country. We're going to talk to an evacuee from Yellowknife who is now in Red Deer, Alberta, and and, and uh, hear what, how the journey south was, but also talk about the efforts to get information out to people because you can imagine at a time like this, there's so much going around, so much potential for misinformation in terms of what you're hearing or not hearing, where you're going to go to school, what are the kids going to do, how long are you going to be out, all sorts of rumors swirling. And so we're going to have that chat with Scott just after 8. And Mr. Mackling at 8.35. Good news. We just heard from Cam Poitras. Good news last night in the CFL for Winnipeg. That's right. BC Lions go into Mosaic Stadium in Regina, Saskatchewan, comes away with the victory. That means the Blue Bombers end the weekend all alone in first place in the CFL West. Really take over the driver's position in terms of hosting that West final in November. Hate to say it, it's not really that far away. So Bob Irving will join us to talk about the Blue Bombers, their one-point win in Calgary. Drew Brown and the Blue Bomber offense managed exactly zero touchdowns. It was a defensive touchdown that won things for the Blue and Gold Friday night at McMahon. So we'll talk about that and much else with the former voice of the Blue Bombers, Bob Irving. Right now we want to talk about bugs. Of all the bugs we deal with over the summer, Mosquitoes, canker worms, fish flies, ticks, forest tent caterpillars, maybe, whatever. Topping the charts for me, for most hated, is the wasp. Now, I know they're around all season, but I just hate this time of year when they start to come out. I always hope it's going to be different, but nope. And yesterday, while golfing was out at Kingswood and LaSalle, they were harassing us all day, all day long. They really, really wanted my rum and coke. Greg, what are they like in your yard? They're not great. They've forced us inside for a couple of different meals that we were planning to have outside, not only in my backyard, but in my sister-in-law's backyard. We were out at Brereton Lake at our friend uh, Alan Cynthia's on Saturday. We were eating a mess of ribs, and we didn't even contemplate eating outdoors. We just went inside, and of course... You have to remember, Loren, when you're drinking a beer, or not you know, not that I ever drink beer, uh, <laughs> or a, or a beverage that has any sort of sugar in it. You have to put your phone or something on top of it because the last thing you want to do is to swallow one of those suckers. No, and there's so there, there's a strategy that comes with them, and I'll find I'll say in the past couple of days I'll be the contrarian just because of the wind. I haven't noticed they were so bad, but then last night I go out to my car and I left. The, a charger in there. I had to go grab it. And there's a wasp on the side of you mirror. And it's like you pa- you stop and you pause and you look at that thing and you're like, what's he thinking right now? If I open this door, what's he going to do? <laughs> if I move slowly, what's he going to do? If I move quickly, you know, like, so then I shut the door, slammed it shut. And then he's there or she, I have no idea. And you just, you, it feels like that their brain is working like in attack mode at all times. Is that fair? Like you just don't know what they're up to. Yeah. Like, like they, they, like the reason why you don't like them is because you just feel like at any second, they feel like they're not seeing you. And then they do. I had one. I could hear one buzzing around my head yesterday, standing on the fourth tee box. And I heard one buzzing. And then it's, I heard the buzzing stopped. 
and I thought I just kind of gave my shirt a bit of a, a bit of a ruffle, and then I heard the buzzing again, which means the stupid thing landed on me. Um, but yeah, I just I can't stand these wasps, and it's good to hear that they, they, if the wind is keeping them away from you, Loren. But uh, Saturday morning, KK Kathy Kennedy was filling in for Tom Milroy, and she spoke with pest control expert and entomologist Taz Stewart, who explained. Why do they always come out in full force in August? They, they've been around since, you know, when the, the, the snow melted. You didn't see the wasp nest. They weren't very, you know, uh, noticeable earlier in the season, but it was a perfect start to the season for them. We did have, you know, some good moisture in the beginning, and then it got hot. May and June were very, very hot. Lots of, uh, you know, natural food sources, lots of insects for them to be eating, lots of flowers for the other pollination side of it. And now uh, you're seeing those nests get to their sort of, larger size and the more numerous of them out there and consequently usually uh, you know mid-august is when you start really noticing them every year august september wasps yeah the cycle you did a great job off the top of listing off all the critters and pests that we deal with in this part of the world Mm -hmm. but i might be with you like you know the mosquitoes yeah they're a pain in the neck but you can typically you Put some repellent on, and they'll. You don't fear stay a mosquito away from, in the no. same way you do a wasp, which you should, because mosquitoes can bring so many diseases. I get that, but the wasp has like a whole other element to it. Yeah, like they can sting you if you're allergic. Obviously, it's a big deal. What if you don't know that you're allergic? That's a kind of a lousy thing to find out halfway through your life. And if you want to enjoy time outside in your yard, if you've been chased indoors, like Greg has trying to eat and enjoy a meal outside. Taz has some tips on what you can do to wasp-proof your space. Well, number one, of course, try and find the nest and treat it or bring in a professional to do uh, a treatment for you if you know where the nest is. Uh, number two, there are some great wasp uh, wasp bags, I guess is the best way I can say it. I don't want to say brand names or anything, but uh, there's some really good ones out there that you want to put in the far corner so the wasps get attracted to the bag over there while you're trying to have your snack or your pop on your deck because, uh, of course, this is going to change. Uh, when they start losing their natural food sources, uh, they're going to start becoming for your, you know, your burger, your Coke, your other type of pop you may enjoy in your back there. <laughs> and Taz has this reminder as well, which I don't know how many of us adhere to. He says, don't run from them. Walk away calmly. Yeah, that's uh, just going to make you, uh, when, if you hit a wasp, it, throws off a nice little pheromone which says uh, attack you and that brings all their friends to attack you and try to uh, you know sting you oh great so you hit one <laughs> you hit one and they they call for reinforcements yeah they put the all call out this is what i'm saying you don't know what they're thinking like they're like they're the, there's something going on with them that's very uh video game warlike or something <laughs> <laughs> do you find it bothersome that the advice to avoid being stung by a wasp is the same advice you get to a avoid bear? being <laughs> yes, yes attacked by a bear. Stay still. <laughs> Stay Play still. Dead. Be Play very dead. calm. Oh. Yeah, lay dead or you know move away very calmly and slowly. I, yeah, the, the tiniest creatures and the largest creatures, same strategy. Okay, if you say so, Taz. Well, feel free to weigh in. How has your experience been so far with the wasps? I mean, I will point out that when yesterday when they were bugging us at the golf course, it was always on the tee box because that's where the garbage cans are and that's where the recycle bins are. Sure. So they're congre- congregated there. They're not dumb. Yeah. They know where their food sources are. And then when the golf cart rolls up, they're like, okay, well, there are going to be some beverages in here and maybe some snacks. So we finished teeing off and we've got essentially the equivalent of a wasp nest in our cart. And we're like, all right, let's jump in the cart and go, go, go. I'd like to see the memo, the emails amongst the wasps. Okay. So here's the strategy for this (laughs) Sunday morning. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Want to continue our discussion on bugs. Just had a chat about wasps. And maybe you've noticed them, maybe not. I certainly noticed them yesterday. They were harassing us all day while we were golfing. They've chased Greg indoors a few times from the backyard. So we want to talk about bugs and times where the bugs ruined your fun. Or or conversely, like if there's a a bug you enjoy, feel free to share that. Like, for example, I enjoy watching bees go to work. Bees are cool. Wasps are just jerks. So let us know. Tell us a story about bugs at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win 
a pair of admissions and wristbands and parking pass to the Fall Fair at Red River Exhibition Park, September 1st to the 4th. Cameron Poitras, let's start with you, sir. Uh, whoever's doing the has done the PR campaign for bees needs to start working on the wasps. Because uh, <laughs> bees, everybody loves bees. People love to watch bees do stuff, just like you just mentioned. But wasps, they're important pollinators too. But they're pains in the butt, and they get inside your cans. Uh, but they, there's that's a important work for a, B, uh, a PR firm. But like I got a, <laughs> I have a, I had a wasp. And this this didn't happen last week. This didn't happen years. This was happened when I was young. Okay, I got to preface this story. I was probably six or seven, and uh, I was just walking down the street, and all of a sudden, a wasp lands on my palm, and I go, oh, that's interesting. And I kind of looked at it for a second, and then I don't know if I was accidentally tried almost stepped on this wasp or whatever, but he decided he was going to bite me right on the, right on the hand. And it hurt so much that I peed my pants. <laughs> no. <laughs> when was this? Like, how I was like ago? seven. Oh. Were you on your way to school? No, I was uh, at my dad's cousin's Thank place. goodness for that. And then he had so it could have been he, worse. And then cousin Bob had to deal with it. Uh, so I'm sorry, cousin Bob. <laughs> He was not prepared to deal with a kid getting bit by a wasp, screaming, and then peeing his pants. Sarah, what about you? Well, I, too, have been stung a time or two just being at summer camp, and that definitely sucks. But uh, I'm more going the creepy, crawly, kind of give me the shivery routes with this one. It's not really a bug, but I couldn't pass up telling this story. Uh, my first year of college, we're staying in residence, and it's like a 10-story building probably, and we're on the very, very top floor. And uh, one morning, we uh, I wake up to go to the kitchen or something, and then all of a sudden, I see something out of the corner of my eye just whip by me. And I'm like, what the heck was that? Like, it was too fast to see. And I just carry on, and then uh, my roommate comes out, and she sees a bat sitting right on no. our uh, kitchen bat? table. A bat. Oh, a bat no. had gotten through the vents, and it's just flying around. We immediately just leave, flee to our separate rooms, and it's just still circling. We have, like, our doors cracked. We're just call- we're on the phone with each other. We're trying to get maintenance to come. They're like, yeah, he's going to be in in, like, an hour. Do you think you can wait an hour? <laughs> like okay just sit in our rooms until he came and uh yeah he got the bat no problem he just picked it up like it was no big deal and we were like okay <laughs> what sort of tools did he have in his kit for the he bat he just used a net just a, a net. net and then yeah, Dwight Schrute. yeah <laughs> i don't know where the bat went after that but uh he got in through the vent yeah we had a bat in our house in uh, my mom's house in boys of Ain. <sighs> And um, to this day, my stepdad does not believe that I fought the bat. He figured that I would be under the covers with my mom and my sister. But I was the man of the house at the time. And uh, it was a sand pail bucket, like a sand pail mm-hmm. yeah. and a, a badminton racket. That oh, was God. my, those were my weapons of choice. You, you fought, I love this, I love this image. You fought the bat. Yes. Tried to corral the bat with the badminton racket. Did not work, but I did force him to uh, flee the way he had. Yeah. Up through the uh, the main the main line into the into the electrical panel. That's how he got in. So There's a little quick. cupboard, and it, oh yeah, flying vermin, terrible. Mm. On anyway. the subject of badminton, a listener Wes saying to deal with wasps, try a ping pong paddle or a badminton racket. Says they work great, and that actually reminds me. I remember we went down to Red Lake Falls in Minnesota, and the wasps were terrible because it was in August, and one of the guys brought one of those like electric. Bug zapper mm-hmm. rackets. It looks like a mini tennis racket, mm-hmm. but it, it zaps them. Mm-hmm. And I still remember there was this, it wasn't a yellow jacket. It was this giant blue jacket monstrosity. Uh, it was like almost as big as a pack of, I don't know. It, it felt like it was as big as a pack of gum. Anyway, we trapped this thing on the table <laughs> and tried repeatedly to nuke it. And it just wouldn't die. <laughs> it would not go back to the fiery chasm from whence it came. <laughs> so, anyway. Loren, what about you? Bugs? Well, I, I do not like spiders. Like, I try not to freak out when I see them. I'll pick them up and deal with it and get them out of the house or whatever. But there's just something super creepy, especially like the daddy long legs or whatever their real name is. I don't like them. But I am in awe, especially this time of year, of the spider webs you know like you go out every i do anyway like every day i wipe down the deck because there's 
every morning, it's like they've just been working tirelessly to cover the deck with webs. <laughs> and then you wipe them down and you get rid of them. And then the next day, they're all back again. And I was actually reading this weekend that sometimes some people believe that that's a sign of like winter could be coming sooner because they know when it's about to get cold and they're trying to get ready for the oh, no. winter. Yeah. So there's the Debbie. That's There's, there's your downer comment for the day. <laughs> That's fascinating, though. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. It's like one of those myths, you know, like about if your onion has more layers on it, it's going to be a cold winter, you know, because it's all these sorts of things. But the web I was reading this morning or sorry, over the weekend that that's the thing. So pretty. And they're they're, they're like the beaver. They're very industrious. So bug. industrious. Yes. And, and you don't bees. even see them do like, where are they? Like, you don't see it happening often. It's like in the middle of the night. They're just go time. Like everybody's asleep. <laughs> Get out. Let's go, rebuild go, this web. Go, go. <laughs> they are very magical beings. They're horrifying at times, but you're right. Their their ability to do work that's been destroyed, and it's almost like they do it with a vengeance. Oh, yeah? You thought that web was big? Wait till you see the one I fix for you tomorrow, Mr. Homeowner, broom-wielding guy. So tell us a story about bugs for a chance to win yourself some tickets for the fall fair at Red River Exhibition Park. We're going to pick a winner at 9.15. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb together again after a few weeks of trading spots, vacation musical chairs. We're going to talk about speed in a moment, reduced speed in uh, neighborhoods, residential zones. But before that, we have some thoughts here on bugs from Professor Scott. In grad school, I worked with an entomologist who taught me how to deal with yellow jacket wasps. Those are the ones that are out right now. Though annoying, they are not aggressive. They will never sting you if you do not provoke them, i.e. don't swat at them. They will buzz around you, but never sting if you leave them alone. It takes a bit of practice to ignore them, but once you learn to do that, you are just fine. All right, Scott. You say so, my friend. It's just the sitting there and not moving. It feels like in just a, it feels like an you're just waiting for the inevitable. And they swarm your food. Like Come yeah, you got to get them off your food. Yeah, the flies are bad too right now too. Well, that's, see, that's the scary thing as well. If you don't provoke them, okay. But what if they're trying to get into your drink and you just go to reach for your drink? What could, what do they constitute as provocation? At what point do they decide you're provoking me? Yeah, we don't have any written agreements here. <laughs> Right? There's no treaty. Uh, hey, um, yeah, you crossed the line. The squirrel treaty is one thing, but the one with the wasps, not so much. <laughs> so continue to weigh in with bugs. Feedback on bugs times bugs ruined your day for a chance to win tickets for the Red River X Fall Fair. And we'll pick a winner at 9.15. But right now we want to talk about this pilot project that uh, testing reduced speeds in a handful of Winnipeg neighborhoods. Sounds like it's going well. Let's get more from Global's Iris Dick. For the past three years, Burkevale resident David Ramey has been telling people to slow down. He began the Burkevale 30 campaign during the pandemic as drivers sped through his sidewalkless neighborhood. If you were to confront them uh, out of uh, feeling unsafe, they would say that they were going the speed limit and it was their right to do that. So we thought, well, let's, let's change that a little bit. Burkevale is one of four Winnipeg areas that's been part of the city's reduced speed neighborhood pilot project. Since March, Burkevale, Tyndall Park South, Worthington and Richmond West have gone to 30 or 40 kilometers an hour. Ramey and others in the affected neighborhood say it's starting to make a difference. What we've noticed is that there has been a reduction in speed throughout the neighborhood. And I cannot imagine anyone daring to revert back to the original speed limits. After they are reducing the speed limit, I see that all the people are arriving like 30 to 40 kilometers. It just feels generally a bit safer. The pilot project comes to a close this fall, and City Council will look at traffic studies and get the public's input on next steps, deciding if and when to reduce speed limits in other neighborhoods. As for Ramey, he'll continue to push for lower speeds, even if the backlash speeds up. It takes time, right? We're not going to change everyone's mind or habits uh, overnight. Iris Dick, Global News. So I think the the challenge when you talk about reducing speeds, if you're on a street that has no sidewalk, this makes sense to me. And she referenced the fact that Burkeville, for sure, if I look on Google Earth, has no sidewalk in the section I see. Uh, neither do the streets on the west and east of it. There are sidewalks in the neighborhood, so there's not zero sidewalks, but there are several streets without them. Assiniboine doesn't have any that I can see, Brett, and that's a major thoroughfare. So when you're talking about streets that people will walk 
on because there are no sidewalks, then yeah, I can get this desire to reduce the speed. And I'm, why are we building side, neighborhoods without sidewalks is a whole other question. But this is a really mature neighborhood. And so therefore, if you're not going to have a sidewalk to walk on, I think it makes sense to to go slower. Yeah, I've got a buddy who lives on Assiniboine uh, down in that pocket of Winnipeg. And while it's not... Uh... You know, it's not like Portage Avenue. No. It's it's busy. There are a lot of homes down there. And anytime I'm there, there's traffic coming and going constantly. And without sidewalks, I just wonder, like, you know, there are a lot of family. It's a great little family neighborhood. And, yeah, you you want your kids running around on that street? I don't know. Yeah, and parks galore, right? Along the Cinnaboyne there, you've got Borkville Park and Borkville Community Center. And then you've got Bruce Park to the west. And then if you keep walking, you eventually end up in a Cinnaboyne Park. And so it's a really neat little part, little pocket of Winnipeg. I used to live on Douglas Park and used to take advantage of walking through that area on a regular basis. And so, you know, Rick says, I live in a neighborhood with now full-time 30K speed limit, adds about 84 to 93 seconds to my commute. So no big deal. But in the five plus years I've lived here, when the speed limit was 50, I do not recall one accident, let alone one involving pedestrians. Maybe my neighborhood just has a higher than average number of responsible drivers. And we figured out how to avoid smashing into each other. And that's one way to look at it that, Oh, well, we never had any accidents before, but is now that street a little bit more usable Are people more comfortable walking and walking their dogs, letting their kids play, ride their bikes from point A to point B. And I think that's where we're trying to get right from the idea that, that car, that, that, that streets are just for cars. Cause newsflash, if you don't have, sidewalks they aren't just for cars they're part of the community and uh, I think that's part of this this program is to figure out if we can make our streets a little bit more usable for just getting from point a to point b so feel free to continue to weigh in at 204-780-6868 and by the way Rick thank you for the I like the the exactness he's clearly tested how long it takes which is great four to 93 seconds yep because that was one of the the fears that some people had. Like, how much how much time is this going to add to my commute or to my drive? Or, you know, I, you don't know how far how deep into the neighborhood I live. I think the average, if memory serves, was it'll add an average of fifty five seconds to your drive. So I guess depending on if you're sort of on the the, the border, like the the, mm-hmm. the nearest border of the neighborhood, maybe not so much. If you're further in, maybe a bit more. But ninety seconds, that's not that bad. It makes you wonder where you go with this, you know, in terms of the information, like the city didn't have numbers on tickets or enforcement there. If they're seeing people actually like clamp down because there might be more police presence, I don't know. But it makes you wonder if they find success here, what other streets might see this 30 kilometer per hour zone come to them. Should there be more streets like this? Feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868. And again, if you live in one of these neighborhoods, we'd love your feedback as a driver, as a pedestrian, both. Let us know. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. One of the things we're asking you this morning, thanks to... The wasps that may be bothering you lately, because they certainly were bothering me yesterday. We're just asking about a time that uh, bugs maybe ruined your day. And we have a mystery on our hands because we're trying to... Someone has sent a picture here, Mr. Greg, about a bug. And I think we've all... I imagine we've all seen them. I've certainly seen them, but I can never remember what they're called because I think I've heard them called June bugs, but this one is not. It's like got crab-like features in terms of the front legs. It's got an armor-like shell. It's got a very beautiful pattern. Looks to have giant eyes, but probably, you know, isn't. And how many legs do I see here? At least six, maybe more. Yeah, it's not very cute. No, they're big. They're big. They're about two inches wide, four inches long, as this listener describing it as a dinosaur-looking creature. And, Loren, I don't know if you've seen this picture, Mm -hmm. but have you ever seen this particular bug? I have no idea what this is. Yeah. But I honestly don't know. Like, I'm the person that you could ask me. You could tell me what type of bird that is. You could tell me what bug it is, and I'd forget as soon as you've told me. These things, I think they're, I don't know what they do. I think they're harmless, but they, they are huge, and they sound like a helicopter when they're coming in. I remember I was just getting ready to pump some gas, and I think they're they're kind of like wasps. I think they like the smell of sweet stuff or whatever. And I was just about to pump some gas, and this thing landed on the hood of my car, 
And I just said, nope. <laughs> I put the, put the pup back, got in my car, and drove away. <laughs> oh, you know what? One of our listeners says, Google giant water beetle and see if that matches. And it absolutely does. Okay. Now, its real name is Belastomatidae. No, I don't know. <laughs> but a giant water beetle. I don't even know what I was saying there. Giant water beetle does look pretty much identical with the pattern, at least to this. Yeah. That's the one. Okay. I wondered. And they, because I, 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 I Googled giant hard shelled beetles. There's a bug called the diabolical ironclad beetle that can apparently be run over by a car and survive. I thought, but that's not it. But one of these things landed. I, I was out in the backyard with my buddy once, and one of these things came in and landed beside us, and we threw a patio block at it, <laughs> and it didn't squash it. This thing is cool. It's got like a, it can't breathe underwater, according to uh, what I'm reading. But, so it has like a breathing tube, like a surface to air type snorkel. Oh, well, like a scuba gear. How it's adorable. A, how adorable, <laughs> except for it's disgusting. Yeah. yeah, Kristen says they can eat fish and frogs. Okay. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> wasps, you said I look very palatable. <laughs> Hang around, wasps. Tell us about the bugs that have ruined your day for a chance to win passes for the fall fair at Red River Exhibition Park. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. One of the things we're talking about this morning is bugs. Question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Of these four insect pests, which one do you hate the most? Mosquitoes, wasps, canker worms, or ticks? And tell us a story at 204-780-6868. About a time bugs ruin your day. Loren, like this family in the white shell. Yeah, the whole family was camping in the white shell and we were just sitting down on our lawn chairs to a supper of steaks when my adult daughter sits back and promptly jumps up screaming, get it off. There's something biting me. I rush over and there's a two inch bug biting her shoulder blade. It's attached by two really big pinchers. I smack it, but nothing happens. She tells me just pull it off. It hurts. So I grab it and throw it down and step on it. We later identified it as a long horned pine beetle. They don't bite people, but she must have squashed it when she leaned back in her chair. The best and most amazing thing is she had a plate with steak and trimmings and never dropped it. She calmly sat down, <laughs> ate her dinner and declared, I wasn't dropping my steak. That's skill. Yeah. <laughs> That's commitment to the steak. I, I admire that a lot. Bugs and, and slugs uh, are are gross, but what about leeches? No. Have you ever had a leech? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Only once in my life have I had a leech. You've had them more than once, yeah. McNabb? Yeah, big and small. And just, I think it was maybe last summer or the summer before, out at Lake Audie in Wasagamine. And it's not really a swimming lake. I think you can boat in it. And I just stepped in the water. And came out with the tiniest leech on me, and you would have thought I was under attack, like that I was near death. The way I reacted, it was actually kind of embarrassing. Like stop the car, oh my God! like I freaked. It was you, embarrassing. You rip it off, or did well, you? Well, it was have... a little wee one, so it came right off. But I've had to use salt on bigger ones before to get them to come off. Why? That that, that was where I was going. Yes. Did you have salt at the beach with you? Like, what's, well, I what's can't remember who had it. I remember being a kid and having a pretty big leech, like not just you know maybe two or three inches long and thick, and we used salt to pour it off. Or alternatively, were we letting them get on us and then doing that? I can't remember, but salt was used. I've never had the leech, uh, so I'm hoping that that's something that I will avoid. But thinking, hearing about this family uh, story trying to eat and being interrupted by an insect invader. um, Yeah, I remember when we were little kids, my parents took us. For, I can't remember which park, Kildona Park, Assiniboine Park, St. Fatal Park. It could be any park. But um, we they, we ordered, got some KFC and went for a picnic and laid out the, the blanket and all that. And it was, they were, my, I know my parents were really excited. I was just, just excited to eat KFC. And I think we were outside for all of two minutes and the wasps uh, made it so that. That wasn't happening. So I don't know if we ate the chicken in the car. I don't actually remember how that meal was completed. I just remember that was, I think that was really when I was introduced to the pain in the A that is the wasp. Yeah, they're not a lot of fun. But uh, according to uh, experts, just leave them alone. That's easier said than done. Especially if you don't know they're there. Like, for example, last year, one of them uh, flew, I guess it crawled down the back 
down my buddy's back, like in his oh. shirt. And he didn't know, so mm. he just kind of leaned back in the golf cart, and it stung him. Sure. Because I guess it was, you know, he was probably freaking out and thought it was under attack. And it ruined his day. And it, well, it, it swelled up. So, yeah, this whole idea that, oh, they, well, they won't bite you if you don't provoke them. I don't like that. And you made the point, Greg, already that, you know, you don't, you're assuming you're not allergic to it. But if you haven't been stung before, you don't know that. And I, I know people... Um, who, you know, as adults, like in their 40s, got stung just within the last couple of years and suddenly discovered that they had an allergy they didn't know as they get rushed to, you know, um, find an EpiPen or rush to the hospital. So it can be scary. And the thing with the wasp, too, is that I've often wondered what happens if it does go in your drink and it does die. I still don't want to swallow that thing. Like, yeah. you know, when you, like I know it probably, if it's dead, it's not necessarily hurting anyone, but I've still just swallowed a wasp. A buddy of mine got stung on his tongue yeah. because a wasp was in his can of Seven Up, and he took a you know he took a swig, did, did, forgot to examine the, the contents of the can, and he felt something in his mouth, and then suddenly stung, like ouch. Oh. But I, no no re- allergic reaction outside of you know ouchy. Sure. But uh, I actually I've never scared to say this out loud, but I've never been stung by a bee or a wasp, and I don't know. That's one of the things that, with my allergies to generally life, uh, (laughs) but I don't (laughs) know if I'm allergic to to That's interesting. I wonder, like, hmm. How would you find that out, Loren? You deal with allergies in your family. Like, is that something Brett... I don't know if you can Brett, preemptively go do no? that. I don't okay. know. I, I'm sure That'd you can. I'm sure there must be a... Like, there, that's how it works for food, scratch right? Scratch test you or whatever? You do those little scratch tests, but... Yeah, because um, I remember... I, I remember that... I got that test, too, where they... Is that, does it still work where they just kind of poke you with very... Give you little various yeah. little jabs? Yeah, on the, on the end of that little... It's not a needle, but, you know, a little thing that they scratch you with is the liquid of whatever, you know, nut oil or whatever you're trying to test on. Okay. Yeah. And I remember cats being on that list and things like ragweed, I think, was the worst one for me. And cats were one of the bigger welts. I don't remember if it says you can do, do it with insects. I'm looking at like a scratch test stuff and it says that you can, an allergist can perform a test to find out an allergy to an insect venom. Oh, Okay. All right, that's maybe good to know. Not that they want everyone to suddenly rush to them and no. preemptively do these things. There's not enough allergists even in the city. But yeah, apparently you can do that. Okay. One of the dogs we were with on Saturday got a wasp either in her mouth or in her nose. Oh, no. Hmm. And we were panicking a little bit, and then uh, the dog was licking, licking, licking. And you no, know, you wonder, like, is this going to cause a problem for the dog? Eventually... Penny was just fine, but gee whiz, like well, they cause absolute panic. It's another reason why I've often talked about, I don't understand why community clubs and schools just don't automatically have EpiPens. Like I know you don't want to be just, you'd have to renew them every year. But if, if you have say even once in 10 years that you get, you save someone's life because you happen to have the EpiPen with you just in case. It's a great point. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And let's just get right into this because thousands of Canadians who have been evacuated due to wildfires may be out, Loren, for weeks. Yeah, that's the word from officials in several communities where homes have either burned or in the communities where they're still trying to keep homes and many structures from burning. Uh, last night, we referenced this earlier, but you know the Northwest Territories Premier Carolyn Cochran said they're even looking at remote learning potentially for the start of the school year because families could still be far from home by then. Yeah, speaking about, uh, of far from home, about 19,000 people were evacuated from Yellowknife over the past several days, among them Scott Letkeman. He's now in Red Deer. Scott, good to speak with you. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. How about yourself? Tell us about that journey south over the past several days, making your way from your home and making your your way to uh, central Alberta? Uh, Well, it was, uh, I think, something that I don't think anyone living in Yellowknife really realistically thought would happen or really could happen. And then here we are, uh, you know, uh, in a whirlwind sort of 48 hours from there supposedly being no threat to the city of Yellowknife for, until uh, suddenly a full city evacuation. And, uh, yeah, we got a big convoy line heading out of the, uh, the one highway out of, uh, out of the city, 
and out of the territory into uh, southern NWT and into Alberta. It was uh, it was a lot for a lot of people, as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, I'm sure you've you've all heard uh, a lot of the stories now, and that uh, you know if you, if you didn't know before that there was only one highway out of Yellowknife, you probably know now. And you've probably seen the pictures of the uh, the massive uh, convoy lines heading out. So, you know, driving out and seeing like billowing smoke and flames right along the the highway right beside you was uh, it was it was definitely a, an experience that I don't think any of us or a lot of us had never had before. And then uh, driving through the town of Enterprise, which is uh, which is a, it, it's a very small town, but anyone who's spent any time in Yellowknife or uh, or Hay River uh, is very familiar with it because it's kind of a it's kind of a it's like a connecting town for the the highways that then lead to the uh, the NWT Alberta border. And uh, it was that, driving through Enterprise was a humbling experience. Uh, a lot of it just uh, devastated by wildfire, um, you know, kilometers of, uh, of of power poles just completely torched as you're as you're heading south of the town. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a humbling experience for sure. So now you're you're in Red Deer, Scott, and and if I ask this question, I'm sure you don't know the answer. But for how long is that just the big unknown right now? It is a bit of a, an unknown, and uh, I think I think officials in the in the Northwest Territories are, are trying their best to come up with a, a concrete answer because it, you know that's obviously what uh, what everyone wants to know right now. Um, you know, it's uh, and, and I have to say it, in in Calgary, Edmonton, Red Deer, High Level, uh, Peace River, you know, all these different towns where uh, and cities where uh, NWT residents have now kind of found themselves displaced um we've been we've been greeted so so warmly by the uh the people of alberta they've been uh, absolutely fantastic we've heard you know just we've heard stories from uh from all over and um you know me being one of the the part owners of, of cabin radio we've been we've been covering this thing since the very start and doing uh live updates as it's been as it's been happening and even from you know we can even rewind to uh to last weekend where you know i can't uh, i can't forget to mention uh people in uh, in fort smith and hay river where they had uh you know as 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 bad as we think our uh our experience has been evacuating from Yellowknife, they had it even worse they had uh they had forest fires just blow in you know i think they i think they said they moved somewhere in the neighborhood of like 40 to 50 kilometers within 24 hours. They were not expecting uh, to suddenly just be, have their lives turned upside down. And again, you know, I mentioned the, the, the journey out of Yellowknife having flames on both sides. Some of the video last weekend that we were we in Yellowknife were receiving of the, the Hay River evacuation was just like, it was like war zone type stuff. Like, I don't even know if our journey quite compared to people like narrowly escaping out of Hay River and then people being airlifted after that from the town center and, uh, and, and Fort Smith as well. So it's, uh, it's been a lot for a lot of people in the, in the Southern portion of, uh, of the Northwest territories. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, despite all of that going through all of that, yeah, I, I do have to give a shout out to, uh, to the people that have, um, that have taken care of us in Alberta. They've been fantastic. Scott, before we go, and we only have about 90 seconds, but you mentioned you co-own the radio station in Yellowknife Cabin Radio, and I imagine the search for information is huge now. So how challenging is it to get that information out? It's, uh, I mean, it's been difficult. You know, we, we've kind of been used to dealing with that because we, you know, we call ourselves Cabin Radio, but until in our you know six years of existence, we we don't we still don't have an FM license. And uh, you know, if you want to, if you want a whole story about that, uh, you know, maybe ask the CRTC why that might be. But I don't expect anyone to take that fight up on our behalf. That's uh, that's our own battle we're fighting. So we're kind of used to dealing with putting out information and communicating through the internet and making that as effective as it can be. But you know we've we've received uh, just floods and floods of emails. Uh, you know, for for one, thanking people or thanking us for our coverage from people. 
Uh, in some cases, some people, especially from outside of the NWT that have relatives inside Yellowknife, thanking us for being able to give them a clearer picture of what's going on so that they could relay it to their, their friends and family who, you know, maybe don't, uh, don't pay quite as much attention to what's going on around the territory and helping them make a, a, a decision to, as to when it was time to leave. But uh, luckily, communications as far as, uh, as far as data reception has, has remained intact. I mean, things could have been a whole lot worse if it didn't. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's been our, our main challenge is just getting information, uh, as, as quickly and as accurately to, to people as possible. Well, Scott, thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully you're not away from home too long, but in the meantime, Godspeed, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Brett. Shout out to you. Shout out to Greg. And uh, of course, my buddy, Justine doing traffic there and everyone, you guys at the CGOB are doing great. Keep it up. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. A reminder that we're asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us your bug stories because the wasps, I don't know how they are where you are, but for me yesterday they were brutal, and I hate wasps. And that's actually our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Of these four insect pests, which one do you hate the most? Mosquitoes, wasps, canker worms, or ticks? Cast your vote at cjob.com or on X, formerly known as Twitter, at 680 CJOB. I still don't see that logo, like on my desktop or on, on my handheld on, on the menu of apps. I still have to go looking for it. Oh, really? Yeah, it just doesn't jump out for me the same way the, the blue with the white bird did. Oh. It sort of just sort of fades into the background because I always have my phones on um, on night mode anyway, so the oh. background's always dark. Oh, so the X, just the black logo blends in? It just blends in. It's just down there on the oh, left-hand corner there, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's what they call it now. Going to talk football in a moment, but, Loren, I know uh, in terms of notifications, I'm just curious, do you get Twitter or X... <laughs> I'm never going to stop calling it. Sorry, Brett, I, who, who's I, I calling it up X that. anyway? That's nonsense. Do you get notifications from that app? I do uh, for the ones that I set them to, like so Winnipeg Police, RCMP, you know, City of Winnipeg, like certain ones. It wouldn't be – you have to go in and set them for it. But I, I, I'm with Greg. If I don't get an alert, I don't go to it anymore. I don't I – don't, I'm not instinctively – you know, when you open up your phone, you're like, oh, I want to check what's going on out there. Yep. I don't see it at all anymore. It's not not – I think I'd be curious how many people, like how engagement might be down on that app, given just that change of color. Not the name, you know, but I don't, it does not jump out to me. I'm also curious to know if anybody else is in the same boat as me, where every time Elon Musk sends out a tweet or excerpt or whatever, where I get notifications, I got to find a way to, I don't even follow him. Still get the notifications. I got to figure out that out. He is the digital overlord, Brett. He's figured <laughs> out how to rule over all the digital devices. You shall hear his message whether you wish to or not. Feel free to let us know at 204-780-6868. In the meantime, let's talk some football because the CFL week began Thursday with Edmonton's first win of the season, 24-10 to over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And the three weekend games were decided by a combined seven points. Yeah, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers find themselves a alone in first place in the West thanks to their own win in Calgary Friday night and BC's loss in Regina last night. The legendary broadcaster Bob Irving, our friend, former colleague, joins us now. Morning, Bob. Morning, you guys. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, thanks for making time for us. I know you've been uh, pretty busy with uh, you know all these work-related functions that you're attending over the summer and uh, work's a real drag. <laughs> you know, I, I know you don't have any time, so thanks for making some. I actually do have time because my tea time at Breezy Bend isn't until 11 this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I golfed at Breezy on Thursday, and is it is in sublime shape, Bob. Oh, spectacular. Really wow. The best I've ever seen it. Okay. Yeah. All, right. All right. So uh, from someone who only golfs there once a year, uh, kudos to everybody at Breezy. So before we get to the Blue Bombers Stampeders game itself, Bob, BC losing to Saskatchewan, not only unexpected on its own, but in an overall sense, I've got to say it genuinely puts Winnipeg back into the driver's seat for first in the West, doesn't it? Well, it sure does. The Bombers are 8-2. and two. BC's now 7-3. and three. Now, these two teams, as everybody knows, are going to meet one more time, and they've split the first two. 
So the Lions can climb back even with Winnipeg, assuming all the other results as the weeks go by are equal, and then they would have the season series. But it has given Winnipeg an edge for sure. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, of all people, did the Bombers a big favor by knocking off BC last night. It was a terrific football game. Uh, Jake Delagala, the Riders' third-string quarterback, played quite well. Vernon Adams, the BC quarterback, threw for 450 yards. It was a hard-hitting, nasty affair. It was really an outstanding way to end the weekend. So let's go to that game uh, on Friday, Bob. You know, when we talk about all eyes being on the quarterback and the quarterback, Drew Brown, in this case for Friday's game, um, there's some questions, or at least I have some. You know, Zach Caleros, uh, after he was put in for Zach Caleros, there was four touchdown passes. 11 days ago in Edmonton, and then not a single major score in the Friday game against Calgary. So is that because the Stampede defense was so good, or was our offense struggling, or Drew Brown himself? Well, I think it's a combination, Loren. First of all, the Stampeders would have had an entire game film almost to prepare for Drew Brown. They knew he was going to start. It's a lot easier coming in off the bench, and you're kind of relaxed as he was in Edmonton playing against a defense that's not nearly as good as Calgary's, I might add. Uh, Another thing about the game on Friday in Calgary, it was about 8 degrees Celsius at game time. It was raining off and on, and it was windy. So the conditions were brutally difficult for throwing the football. So the Bombers went with kind of a short passing game. They used their running game a lot in the first half, not so much in the second. But I thought Drew Brown did okay. I think, you know, anybody who expected him to be as prolific as he was in the Edmonton game really wasn't being realistic about things. The Stampeders, despite their poor record, have a very good defense. They're a tough team to play, especially in McMahon Stadium. And so I think uh, Brown acquitted himself okay. I'm sure he would tell you that there's a lot of things he felt he could do better, a lot of things he'd like to have over again. But he didn't turn the ball over. Uh, the Bombers won the game. So, you know, I think it was a, you know, a decent night for Drew Brown. Certainly not as sensational as the Edmonton game, but I don't think we could have reasonably expected that. Now, the Montreal Alouettes claimed their own one-point victory over Ottawa on Saturday and then come into Winnipeg on Thursday night. So what does Montreal do well that uh, the Bombers might be concerned about? Well, their defense spread is playing very well. They've only given up 179 points in nine games. That's among the best in the Canadian Football League. Uh, They had their number two quarterback in against Ottawa in that game. Caleb Evans, and he threw a couple of picks, but he also was outstanding toward the end of the game to lead them back to victory. They've been a bit of a bit of a surprise package this year in the East. I think everybody expected Hamilton to be up there, and the Tiger Cats are a woeful three and six. Ottawa three and seven, and then Montreal at six and three. So the Tiger Cats have played well defensively. They're Cody Fajardo before he got hurt was doing a nice job for them at quarterback, and they're just playing some real solid football they have good special teams uh, they'll get their biggest test of the year no doubt on thursday when they come here to play the blue bombers but uh, yeah they're a you know they're a pretty good looking team six and three and right in the thick of things in the east at the halfway point of the season and not many of us expected that from montreal no no that's for sure uh, non-expected uh, records for montreal and hamilton uh, i'd agree 100 percent, bob the only touchdown from the blue and gold friday night came courtesy the CFL leader in interceptions. First and 10, throws it, picked off, touchdown coming, Demario Houston, read it like a book and he scores. Finally. With the wind. <laughs> Finally, an explosive play. And if you can't score offensively, you might as well do it with a pick six. Oh my goodness, Demario Houston like a book. He just took off sprinting and took it to the house. Yeah. Demario Houston is sixth pick of the year, fitting it was a pick six then, I guess, Bob. It literally was at <laughs> times two. There was some concern about Houston coming into this year as people analyze that defensive backfield for the Blue Bombers. Has, has Houston erased some of those concerns, all of them or some of them? Oh, I would say all of them. He had some injury issues last year, as you recall, and then he, you know, he couldn't get back into the lineup when he got healthy right at the end of the season. But I think the Bombers felt going into the year that you know he was a guy who certainly would be a top contender for a starting job. And right from the get-go, he's been outstanding. Six picks at the halfway point. Boy, that's uh, just past the halfway point. That's really spectacular defensive football. The Bomber defense as a whole was really good, I think, in Calgary. The Stampeders only had 11 first downs, and for those who follow football stats and what they mean, 
boy, when a defense holds an offense to 11 first downs and then 245 total yards, they've had a real good night's work. The highlight was the interception by Houston. I thought uh, Kyrie Wilson, the linebacker, had his best game of the year. They were just really good defensively. I, the most encouraging thing, guys, for me about the Blue Bombers, and they're 8-2, and two. there's a lot of lot of things to be encouraged about they can win with their backup quarterback but their defense i think is really really coming into its top form uh, and as they sit at eight and two atop the west division i think everything augurs well and chances are zach Calaris will be back on the field at quarterback this week so uh the future looks bright for the blue and gold. All right, Bob. I've got a million other things that we'd love to talk to you about, but we should let you go and uh, go and get warmed up for that golf game. You, you, you going to score your age today or what? Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be something? If I break 100, Greg, I'll be happy. <laughs> that's my goal in life now is to break 100. That's, that's the caliber of golfer I am. And it happens sometimes, but not always. So, look, I'm happy to just be out there playing, right? Bob Irving, well said. Thank you for joining us, sir. Have fun out there. And Coach's Show tonight, by the way, Mackling? Yeah, Coach's Show, 7 to 8, part of uh, Christian O'Mell's 680 CGB Sports Show, 6.30 to 9. And then uh, the coach and uh, the voice of the Bombers, Derek Taylor, step in and answer your questions via text, via email, via telephone call here on your voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 680 CGB. Blue Bombers, Alouettes, Thursday night, 7.30 kickoff, 5.30 our pregame coverage gets underway and a new Blue Bomber bo- podcast drops uh, tomorrow afternoon. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention this because uh, we get to sample the big game day food specials from the Bombers every week they're at home. And this morning they brought in for Canadian Armed Forces Appreciation Night the big Ukrainian burger. It's a Winkler Meats garlic coil, 20 pierogies, <laughs> Caramelized onions, sauerkraut, dilly sour cream, all on a Walby size bun. And so it's sold in uh, at 112, the goal line, and then 134 at the poutinery for $40. This thing is a beast. And it's, I need to get it out of my face. It's gigantic and it smells delicious. Uh, hopefully, they have utensils for you to separate and share this with your friends because. You're not eating this by yourself. Yeah, we've uh, at least four people have have dove into this, and it's not even half gone. So, uh, but yeah, it's yummy. Good stuff for the bombers. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're asking you to tell us about a time bugs ruined your fun or perhaps were the in inadvertent source of fun. This was a tough choice today. Mackling, one of our runners up here is Patrick. What does Patrick have for us? I was chopping wood one day at a friend's cabin when I disturbed a hornet's nest that was in the eaves of said friend's cabin. One flew through my hair. Another one stung me in the ear. I looked up. There was a swarm of them over me. I ran down the road. They chased me, taking my shirt off, waving around my head. In the end, we counted. I got stung seven times. The funny part was that I returned to work the next week to receive an envelope in the office. Inter-office mail with seven dead hornets taped on a piece of foolscap, all with their names above (laughs) them. My buddy whose cabin we were at, we worked together on the fire department. He sent it. From his hall, he collected the hornets after I left and sent them to me in the mail. It was quite hilarious, all taped to the paper with their supposed names. Like a most wanted kill list. Yeah. Love the dedication to the prank. Sorry to hear you got seven stings, though, Patrick, from hornets. Sounds like hornets really are the worst. Uh, Loren, another, this and this was a really tough choice. Uh, Teresa would be the runner up here today. Teresa says, not a word of a lie. Just last week, I was bringing laundry in and noticed my dog, Cutter, was licking his private parts quite adamantly. (laughs) I went over to him and found out that he had been stung right on his penis. Yep. I pulled out a stinger, gave him Benadryl, and sat with him holding an ice pack on his junk. I do have pictures. The swelling went down and all was good. We do carry Benadryl with us anytime we hike, etc., with the dogs, just in case. Oh, Teresa, I got to be honest. I just thought all dogs like doing that, and therefore I have never once investigated when Moose is uh, doing that. Uh huh. They do it because they can, right? Not because they need to necessarily. <laughs> but our winner today is Herb, who says, Many years ago, I went into my shed 
As I opened the doors, something shot by my left ear. What was that? I looked up and witnessed this massive wasp nest. So I picked up a wasp spray bomb and planned my attack much like Wiley Coyote. At dusk with the outside temperature at 29 degrees and inside the house at a cool 18 degrees, I geared up. Sweatpants, coat, gloves, toque, goggles. I duct taped my wrists and ankles so no sneak attacks. I was ready. I looked like John Candy in the great outdoors as I walked out into the evening heat. No sooner when I walked out of the house did my goggles steam up. My safety advantage had now been compromised. <laughs> Lifting the goggles on top of my forehead, says Herb, I opened the shed doors so quietly not to anger the wasp sentries. As I opened the door, a wasp beelined and stung me between the eyes. I'm hit! I unload the whole can on the nest, leaving it a wet mess on the ground. Yes, there were casualties on both sides, but it was a win for humankind versus the wasps. Duck one for the team. Yes, well done. I'm amazed at people who go in to, like, take down nests and things like this. Like, the whole, like, I I just, there's a lot of bravery or, trying to be nice here, or her stupidity attached to the idea of taking down these things yeah like it's it's, it's scary terrifying. it's scary enough to go after one of those little ones that can fit in the palm of your hand with mm-hmm. a can yep. like you wait until dark and then i just i remember having to stand under one i just un- emptied the can and then i ran but people have been sending us pictures of like wasp nests that are that could they're like five uh, gallon pail size like huge I don't want to go anywhere near that. Nope. That's when you call Taz. Hey, Taz, I got a little job for you, buddy. So thanks to all who take care of getting rid of those things for us. In the meantime, uh, Herb, you win the passes for the fall fair at the Red River Exhibition Park. This is an exciting story. It's a celebration of many of my favorite things. There's pizza, there's hockey, there's travel, there's family. And uh, we have three guests joining us in this segment, two of them in studio, including Hannah Pagdato is a goalie in her third year at Mount Allison University in Sackville, New Brunswick, but proud Winnipegger, right, Hannah? Yes, I am. Good Thanks morning, for having Hattie. me here. Good morning, Hannah. Good to have you here. And proud father, Larry Pagdato, joining us in studio. Larry, good morning, my friend. Good morning, Greg. Thank good. you for having us. It's our pleasure. And joining us by phone is Larissa Pagdato, who still plays hockey, but also is a coach with the True North Foundation. Good morning, Larissa. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for making time out of your busy day. So both young women we're speaking to this morning are on the verge of a tremendously exciting opportunity to play hockey in one of the last places you might imagine hosting an international hockey tournament. Before we get into all that, Larry, why don't you tell us about your love affair of hockey and how it began? Well, in the, in the early 80s, I was a, a big fan of the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, when I had my kids, they, uh, they seemed to fell in love also with hockey, especially uh, hanging out with the, with the kids at school. So uh, in uh, 2011, they, uh, they uh, began playing hockey. And uh, now they're still uh, playing and loving the game. And uh, we just got this, we were just so blessed to have this opportunity that, uh, that we're given. And now they're representing the Philippines to play hockey in uh, Al Ain near Dubai. Mm. I want to get more into that in a second, but first, Hannah, your dad just said that you started in 2011. So how old were you when you started playing? I was about eight or nine. And and what drew you to the game besides your dad's maybe passion for it? What made you think, you know what? Like, I really can do something with this sport. Well, I remember I started playing hockey after the Olympics. So it was kind of just watching the women's team in Vancouver in 2010 and watching them win the gold medal was pretty exciting for me. And I kind of decided like that was what I wanted to do when I was older. And Larissa, you, now you're coaching and playing. So how special is that for you? It's really special. I'm coaching girls who are the same age that I was when I started. So that's a really interesting perspective um, that I've come to appreciate. So tell us, Larry, you touched on this opportunity uh, for your girls. Larissa, tell us about where you're going. Uh, Fill us in on this tournament that you're going to be, as your dad says, representing not Winnipeg, not Manitoba, I guess indirectly, but you're going to be playing for 
the Philippines women's national team? Tell us about this. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. about uh, three weeks ago. Oh, oh sorry, I was Oh, yes, about three weeks ago, we got a hold of uh, the Philippines and uh, they contacted Larissa and uh, they somehow, you know, connected and uh, they, uh, they said, uh, you know, they asked if uh, we can, uh, you know, they, we can join them in, uh, in the tournament in, uh, in Al Ain near Dubai. Larissa, you're the one that got that phone call. Could you just walk us through what was said and your reaction? Like, were you expecting to have the Philippines reach out? No, it was kind of a bit of a surprise. It happened really quickly. Um, they reached out, and then sort of the next day, we were on a phone call with them, um, just discussing what, like, what exactly the tournament is, what the team is, and our place on the team, basically. So, Hannah, this this tournament that you're going to be playing in, mm-hmm. uh, representing the Philippines, is Canada going to be competing in this tournament? No, they're not. Okay. So how many teams are in competition? I believe there is eight. Six. There were six confirmed at the time that I asked. And there's Saudi Arabia, Kazan, United Arab Emirates, like in Dubai, and then a few others. And how does it feel to be able to represent the Philippines? Very exciting. Why is that? I feel like it's a chance for me to connect to like my roots and for me to take this opportunity. It's kind of like like this was a dream of mine since I was little, ever since I started hockey. And also, like, I always imagined myself like representing a national team. And for me to represent the Philippines is something special, especially for my parents and like the, Fil- the Filipino community here. The Filipino community is so engaged in so many things, Larry. I, I don't need to tell you that, but from the outside looking in, you see see it everywhere and so passionate, and, you know, not to generalize in any sense, but so passionate about whatever might be taking place, whether it's the Filipino Basketball League, whether it's the different tournaments that take place in support of the different sports and the different events in, in our community. So just talk about the Filipino community connection to hockey and, and, and the fact that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets have, have really nurtured that relationship. Yes, uh, Greg, thank you. Uh, there is a growing interest now in the uh, you know, Filipino community regarding the, uh, the game. And uh, even the uh, Philippines, uh, it's uh, one of the fastest growing sports in the Philippines. So uh, the women's team, they started competing in uh, 2017, but uh, the pandemic happened. So uh, yeah, the program has been, you know, put on the shelf. So now they're, this year they're restarting again. Is there a lot of Canadian influence there, Larissa, in terms of the Philippines uh, women's hockey and maybe men's hockey? What do you what do you know about the program and the, the impact the Canadians might be having on that? Um, I know that the men's team they did they were pretty successful in the latest tournament that they participated in. Uh, I think they were they came out on top. They were first place in their division. Um, I think that the Jets. And Filipino Heritage Night have had a great impact on the Filipino community in Winnipeg in particular. I know that it brought the community together and it made us feel like we're a part of the sport that makes Winnipeg, Winnipeg. So when does this all go down? When is the tournament, Hannah? The tournament's from September 5th to 9th. And so do you get to go early and see any of the country or the city or stay longer? Or are you just going to go in and out? Tell us a bit about the trip, Hannah. Well, we leave September 2nd. It's going to be a bit of a trip, so I think 14 hours in the air. And then with the time change, it's going to be a bit difficult, but we'll be able to manage. And also, we'll be traveling to Dubai from Winnipeg. And then to go to the tournament, it's about an hour away in Al Ain. So I know that we're meeting the team on September 4th. And just kind of like get to know our teammates, which is really nice. And also... It's nice to know people off the ice as well as like playing with them on the ice and then kind of just build those relationships first of all. And well, yeah, from September 5th to 9th, we'll be playing a couple of games a day, I think. And and I think the periods will be 13 minutes long and then you have a two minute break between each of the periods. And yeah, we'll be occupied with hockey quite a bit. Our guests in the studio are Larry Pagdato, who is father to Hannah Pagdato and Larissa Pagdato, who are going to be representing the Philippines at a big international hockey tournament coming up uh, near Dubai next month. Larry, when you think about that combination, that your two daughters, 
uh, who live in Canada are going to be re- representing the Philippines on a hockey team in Dubai. Uh, did you ever think that the game would bring your family on the journey to that point? This, you know, this, uh, you know, just came off. You know, I was off guard. You know, I never thought about something like this. And, uh, you know, just uh, having this, you know, opportunity for them, hopefully also they will uh, inspire many uh, Winnipeggers, Filipino Winnipeggers, maybe to also, uh, you know, take some interest, more interest in, uh, in the game. Because it's a really fun game. You know, it really brings, you know, the family together and you meet a lot of people. Really good family, good hockey family. Hannah, you and Larissa are not the only two uh, Winnipeggers making this trip. No, we're not. There's also Jordi santos and She was my teammate in high school as well. And we'll be making the trip together, which I'm really excited about. I bet you are. So uh, really quick, Larry, this is not an inexpensive endeavor. There's some fundraising involved and in, in making sure that the, that the girls uh, make it over there safe, sound, and, and don't have to worry about anything? Uh, yes, because... Uh, uh, at the moment, the Philippines really has no, uh, the budget is not there. They're not, uh, the women's team is not uh, getting the, uh, the support from the uh, corporate, corporate sponsors and also the government. So uh, everyone involved are, you know, are responsible for uh, their expenses. So uh, we're just so grateful that uh, a couple of companies have already uh, stepped up to, uh, to help us out on, uh, on, the, on, the, on, our, on our trip to support our trip. So uh, we, we would like to thank uh, the Rink uh, Hockey uh, Training Facility for uh, supporting us. And also, uh, I'd like to thank Triple uh, C Pizzeria on Portage Avenue uh, for uh, helping us out on this. They're starting uh, today till Wednesday. They are, uh, they are uh, giving us $5 per order if a customer orders uh, $30 or more. So uh, if you please uh, call Triple uh, uh, C Pizzeria t- tonight, if not tomorrow or Wednesday, we need the support. Thank you. Thank you, Winnipeggers. Thank you for supporting us. The phone number for Triple C Pizzeria, by the way, is 204-885-9453. That's 885-9453, triplecpizzeria.ca. It looks like they open at 4 p.m. Um, just another reason, a great reason to eat pizza. Uh, so like... Uh, Hannah, before we let you get out of here, uh, you said it, uh, you leave on September 2nd. Yeah. So is it a, so one of those situations where you're looking at the calendar and you're like, okay, it's August 21st. Can we just jump to mm-hmm. September 2nd right now, please? Yeah, I'm trying my best to prepare as much as I can, especially with my hockey season coming up. So kind of my training kind of just goes hand in hand. And yeah, I'm super excited for this opportunity. I think it's just a once in a lifetime thing. And really looking forward to make to make some really good memories. And then you're off to New Brunswick to Mount Allison right after. Like you're flying directly to New Brunswick from Dubai when this tournament is over. Yes, I am. Well, congratulations Thank and you. best of luck, Larissa. Have a wonderful time, and uh, I'm sure you'll do Manitoba. You'll do Winnipeg proud at this tournament. Uh, let's stay in touch on this. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you having us on. And just by the way, Hannah, how old are you? I'm 20. And Larissa? I'm 23. Okay. Hopefully this is just the first amazing journey that you're on, on your, during your hockey career. So thanks to all three of you for coming in to join us. Larry, thank you. Oh, thank you for having us here, Brett. And thank you, Greg. And Hannah, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. And Larissa, thank you for joining us as well. Good luck to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Um,